Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, If you have been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we're going through a series called Holy Habits. Holy Habits. And the whole objective to this entire series is that uh, we would create a pathway to knowing God. Uh, that we would be uh, creating these stepping stones so that uh, we create opportunities and environment for God to shape and transform our lives. Over the last couple of weeks, we have, uh, we have really introduced this idea that God can change us uh, when we create the right environments for God to work on us. We've talked about the Bible. And this morning, uh, we talk about worship. We take a stepping stone and we place another stepping stone in front of us as we talk about this habit of worship. We go on the pathway and we create a stop-off and we look at this discipline of worship. Now, we know that worship is our response to God. Uh, worship is our activity uh, so that we can give God what He is worthy of. He is worthy of our praise and our glory. It's the reason why oftentimes when we talk about worship, we, we equate worship with music. And, and that's because music often has the capability, it has the capacity uh, to help us express the inner workings of our life, and and we love to be able to give those back to God. This week I began to uh, jot down a couple of songs that were especially meaningful to me that that helped me express uh, to God uh, what I want to give to Him. I want to express to Him uh, all that He is and all that He has done. I want my activity in my life to represent a habit of, of worship. And one of the ways that I have chosen to do that over the years is just by singing. One of the songs that I wrote down earlier was, I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. Oh, I want to sing it right now. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. Oh man, can you feel it? You just want to give yourself over to the Lord. Every breath, every blink, it all belongs to Him. For some of you, the songs that most move you might be something simple. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And for some of you, it might be songs more like, It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And as meaningful as those songs are, 
as much as they help us express to God our praise and adoration, our confession of who He is and all that He does, as meaningful and and as important as those songs are, you and I need to know this morning that if we're to develop a habit, a holy habit of worship that takes us on a pathway, that sets another stepping stone on on our journey uh, to get near God so that He can transform us, then we have to know, we must know, that worship is more than a song. Worship is more than a song, for a song in itself is not what He has required. So that you and I can see that God requires more than just a song. So that it, we can begin to gravitate ourselves to the complexities of worship. So that we can enter into this habit of worshiping God. We join Jesus in a conversation that He's having. He's actually having a conversation with a woman who's something of an outcast. In this conversation, we begin to find that Jesus is in Samaria. And He's talking to a Samaritan. And not only is she a Samaritan, she's an outcast Samaritan who nobody else wants to talk to. I mean, actually, it's rather scandalous. There's a lot of oddity in finding Jesus where He is in this particular context, having this conversation. Uh, First of all, He's a male and she's a female and they're alone. Uh, Second of all, Jesus is a Jew and she is a Samaritan. Uh, Strike number two. I mean, if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans, you know that they don't get along very well. I mean, it's a little like uh, asking Iowa fans to enjoy Husker fans. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a little like um, what Kansas City Chiefs fans might think of the Denver Broncos or uh, what Republicans and Democrats think of one another. They don't get along very well. And yet, for some reason, uh, the Bible records that Jesus doesn't go around Samaria. He goes right into Samaria and He messes His hands with this Samaritan woman. And as the conversation is unveiled, we find that uh, she's got quite a past. She's got some things in her past that, uh, that Jesus begins to dig up. And she's not stupid. No, no, she's not dumb. She begins to recognize that Jesus might be something more than just an ordinary kind of guy. And so she asks Him. Actually, she she makes this statement that Jesus must be a prophet. And because He's a prophet, she goes, well, uh, in her mind, you can almost see the gears turning, she asks this question of Jesus. If you're a prophet, then tell me about worship. I mean, she asks a worship question. Now, the worship question is actually a debate between Jews and Samaritans. It's happened for dec- decades, probably ages. If you're a prophet, go ahead and answer this age-old question. And the age-old question isn't really about uh, whether Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time or whether it's really LeBron James. She says, no, tell me about worship, Jesus. Where should worship take place? Should it happen here on Mount Gerizim? Or should it happen in Jerusalem? Go ahead. Solve the debate. 
And it's Jesus' response to her question about worship that focuses our attention on the habit of how we are to worship God. If you're interested in how you are to worship God, then join me in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the very first books of the New Testament. That's in the second half of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Jesus is going to say in response to her good question about worship, He's going to say, if you want to worship Me, if you want to worship God, then you must worship in spirit and in truth. He's going to say, you're you're going to have to connect yourself and your life with God. You're going to have to come as close to Him as humanly possible. If you want to create a habit of worship and set that stone out there so that you can take another step toward God, if you want that discipline to be a part of your life, you're going to have to worship in spirit and in truth. Go ahead, would you, and join me in John chapter 24. Or, excuse me, John chapter 4, and I'm going to read in verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. He says, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. In, in verse 23, and in verse 24, He says the same thing. If you're going to worship, you have to worship in spirit and in truth. Now, Jesus takes these two things and He, and he puts them together. Uh, so that we can understand what Jesus is saying, I'm going to separate those two things. And I'm going to first talk about what does it mean to worship in spirit? And then I'm going to talk about what does it mean to worship in truth? So that when we put the two together, when Jesus says you must worship in spirit and in truth, that we can understand what that means. So let's take that first one. Let's take the the first little piece of that phrase that Jesus uses. What does it mean to worship in spirit? What does it mean to respond to God in spirit? Well, quite frankly, what it means to, to join with God in in spirit, is just what I have said. To worship God in spirit means that I join my spirit with the Holy Spirit. It, It means that I connect my life to Him in every imaginable way that I possibly can. In spirit, mind, and body, my strength, my soul, my mind belongs to Him. Uh, This is to what it means to worship in the Spirit. Now, as always, we want to look at the context. And the context isn't just what we see here in chapter 4. It actually begins uh, really more likely in chapter 3. Because in this entire context, uh, John is consistent in looking uh, at the presence of the Spirit and the life of the person uh, who would come to follow Jesus. 
It actually begins in chapter 3. You see, Jesus is having a a conversation, another one, uh, with a person named Nicodemus. Now, some of you recognize this story. Because John chapter 3 and verse 16, in the conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, He says to Nicodemus that very famous verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But before Jesus says that, before He says that in this conversation that He's having with Nicodemus, He mentions the presence of the Spirit. You see, if we're going to worship in Spirit, then we have to recognize the movement of the Spirit. If we're going to worship in Spirit, then we must be able to receive and have access to the Spirit. And Jesus is going to say to Nicodemus uh, that those who would have the Spirit have been born again by the Spirit. Uh, Look at chapter 3 in verse 5. Jesus says to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. He goes on later on in verse 8 and he says, so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Hey, if you want to worship in the Spirit, if you want to establish this discipline, uh, if you want to establish a habit of worshiping God in the Spirit of God, uh, then you have to have access to the Spirit. Then you have to actually have received what it is that God wants to gift you, and He wants to set with inside of you His Spirit. But if you're going to worship in Spirit, you have to have access to the Spirit. You have had to allow God access to your life so that He can give you a spirit with which to worship Him with. Actually, it begins in chapter 3, but it it keeps going. In this conversation that Jesus has with this woman, twice, He mentions water, living water, and, and, and this is an image in John of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I want you to have an opportunity to receive the Spirit. So before He even talks to her about receiving or worshiping in the Spirit, He says, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what He says. It happens in verse 10 of chapter 4. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would give you the living water. That living water that Jesus is referring to is the Holy Spirit. This gift that He wants to give. Now skip down to verse 13. He says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will well up in him in a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is saying, hey, if you want the Spirit of God, if you want to worship God in the Spirit, you have to have access to the Spirit first. Uh, Church, What does it mean to worship in the Spirit of God? It means that you and I, as far as it depends on us, will give ourselves over to God. We will receive what He has offered to us in allowing His Spirit to dwell in this house. 
And in receiving it, we now have access to the Spirit and we will listen freely to that Spirit in every moment, in every breath, in every blink of our eyes. Uh, We will give God our worship because we're responding freely to the Spirit that He's given to us. To worship in the Spirit means that we join our spirit with God's. Now, I think some of you are probably thinking right now, you are thinking, oh no, I I don't know that I have the capacity to be able to do all of that. And that you're rather afraid. You're afraid of this idea that, uh, that I would give all of my breath and my blinks to God. But I want to tell you that you can do that. You can worship in the Spirit. Now again, first of all, you have to have the Spirit. You have to receive the Spirit, a gift that God wants to give to you. But this isn't impossible. Actually, a dishwasher taught me that. You see, there was an ancient dishwasher. He lived in the 1600s. He's come to be known as Brother Lawrence. And he wrote some things down, and it was later published, and he just kept talking about how he wanted to practice the presence of God. He wanted every moment in his life to belong to God. That this would be his spiritual act of worship. That it would be him in in worship in the Spirit, constantly giving over to God what is God's. Responding to Him in God's activity in his life. And you can do that. For you, worshiping in the Spirit, as the Spirit of God prompts you, it might just be uh, that you're laying in bed in the morning. And as you kind of begin to wipe your eyes in the morning and kind of lift your eyelids, maybe it is that the Spirit just prompts you on the inside and you begin to think and your, and your thoughts and your words go heavenward. And you're giving God your day. You're giving Him the breath that you'll breathe today. You're thinking about your kids and your spouse and your work and your co-workers. And maybe a difficult conversation and all of it begins to go to God. And, and maybe as you lay there, maybe uh, eventually you begin to raise your hands to the Lord and, and you just want Him to know physically that, uh, that you're, you're completely available to whatever God's going to do and, and operate in you that day. And in doing so, you worship in the Spirit. And maybe as you, as you trod over and you brush your teeth, you're humming a song of, of praise to who God is. And, and it's because there's something living inside of you that's exiting. And, and the Spirit of God is working in you and you are worshiping in the Spirit. And, and maybe it is that uh, later on that day, you, you go and you peer out the window and there's a little uh, a squirrel working and he's digging around in your yard and he's found an acorn and he's digging and he's burying it and you see this, this whole thing transpire and, and the Spirit again prompts you as you watch all of this and you just think, wow, this is incredible. I serve an incredible God. And in that moment, you're worshiping in the Spirit. I love to go backpacking. And one of the reasons I love to go backpacking is because uh, whether I'm looking over all of the mountains uh, or I'm watching a marmot who is uh, mischievous and wants to get into the campsite, 
It seems like God's Spirit seems very present in me in those moments. And I I find myself in the Spirit worshiping who God is and all that He has done. And I know that sometimes we have good days and bad days. Uh, Maybe it is that on one occasion or maybe more than one occasion in a week or, or in a month, you get angry with your children or you're snappy with your spouse. And, and, and you hate that you do that and you get angry and, and then you, you tend to, to get angry with yourself. But I wonder if, if even in those moments you can begin to worship in the Spirit of God as the Spirit of God prompts you in that moment uh, after you are all done, after you've been angry and frustrated. Uh, maybe it is that the Spirit reminds you that this is exactly why you need Jesus. You need Jesus because you aren't perfect. You need Jesus because He's the only one that can complete you. You need Jesus. And in that moment, you recognize and you are in gratitude to who Jesus is and all that He has done for you and you are worshiping in the Spirit. Paul says that when we're worshiping in the Spirit, it's our spiritual act of worship. It's where we avail our entire life as living sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about us becoming living sacrifices. He says, "Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship." Worship is far more than a song, isn't it? It's God's Spirit prompting us inside. And it comes out in all sorts of different ways. And we can find ourselves worshiping anywhere, at any time, for any reason. This is what it means to worship in the Spirit as we join our spirit to God's. But if this is what it means to worship in the Spirit, then what does it mean to worship in truth? What does it mean to respond to God in the activity of His truth? Well, uh, first of all, worship in truth means that we have to actively reflect on the truth that God has both given to us and, and the truth that God is for us. You see, God has given us truth and He is truth. He has given something to us, and He is God, certainly, for us. You see, as we reflect on God's truth, one of the things we recognize is that God loves us. He said so in His Word several times, in several, several different ways. Uh, no more prominent than Jesus dying on the cross for us. Sacrifice for you and I. And the reason is that God has a picture of you on His refrigerator. He loves you so much that He was willing to allow His Son to die for you and I to clean us, to clean this house. Why? Uh, So that the Spirit that we just talked about, so that the Spirit could dwell here in this house. That's how much God loves us. And the truth of the matter is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells us that we deserve death. 
You see, each and every one of us has purposefully rebelled against God. The Bible calls that purpose rebellion uh, for things that we knew to be wrong. The Bible calls that sin. It means that we have gone away from where God would want us to go. And you know what? By dying on a cross and raising again on the third day and ascending to be with God in heaven right now, it means that That Jesus, His blood, His perfect sacrifice saved us from the consequences of sin and saved us from the dominion of sin. That means that we are not doomed forever for the things in our past and our present and in our future. It means that those things in our past and our present and our future, they don't hold mastery over us, no. Instead, it means the truth is that we get to live freely in the Spirit of God and we get to constantly seek His truth and worship Him. That's part of what it means to to create a habit, a pathway of worship. But I want to warn you something. If this morning you're saying, I want to worship in truth. I want to worship in spirit, uh, and I want to worship in truth. If you want to worship in the truth of God, then you have to know that sometimes the truth of God is inconvenient. You need to know that sometimes the truth that God is going to present to you and who He is and all He does and the message that He wants to give to you, the truth of, of what He wants to get across that sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. In fact, I, I think we see something in John chapter 4 that's a bit uncomfortable. But it is something that God uses, this truth that He uses to shape us, to mold us, to transform us into worshipers. It happens in verse 21. Listen to Jesus' words. He says, Believe Me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He's answering the question, hey, where should worship happen? Should worship happen on Mount Gerizim? That was where the Samaritans thought it should happen. Or should it happen in Jerusalem? That's where the Jews thought. And Jesus absolutely blows everybody away, certainly blows her away in the response that He gives. The truth that Jesus says here is the place, the process, is irrelevant if your worship is not in spirit and in truth. Did you catch that? He's saying where we worship is is unimportant, but how we worship, how we worship is most important. Ladies and gentlemen, that truth is inconvenient for us. We would much rather say that that worship happens from nine to eleven on Sunday morning, in a building, in a place, with certain routines and a liturgy. That's what we would rather say worship is. It's easier that way. But the truth of what God is saying is that no, no, no. Worship in truth, it needs to happen anywhere, anytime, anywhere, for any reason. The truth of what God is saying is exactly what we've been experiencing, isn't it? 
You see, one of the things that that COVID pandemic has been teaching us, the thing that that God's truth has been prompting us to is, well, I can worship anywhere. It doesn't matter that if I'm in my home, in my living room, uh, laying back in my lazy boy, uh, listening to a service, I can give the truth of my worship in spirit and in truth to God there. Uh, I can enjoy that. The truth is that I can be in my living room, or in my kitchen rather. I can be in my kitchen sipping on some of my coffee in my own house in an uncomfortable chair. And I can be worshiping God. Church, we can be in a parking lot with our lawn chairs worshiping God just as well as we can be inside worshiping God. The truth of worship is that we can be anywhere doing anything Worshiping God. As long as our worship belongs to Him. As we listen to the Spirit and we abide by the truth. This is what Jesus is saying. Another truth. Worship in truth is truthful worship. Worship in truth is also truthful worship. Jesus, when He says worship in truth, is not only getting at the truth that we receive, but the truth that we must demonstrate. You see, we cannot cannot fake it with God. We cannot just simply go through routine and and pretend that, that by going through the routine itself and the forms and the songs and the praise, we cannot pretend that all of that means that I have worshiped. The truth of the matter is that I could uh, hear all the right songs and, and preach all the right sermons. I could go to all the right places at all the right times and still have missed God. Because worship in truth is also truthful worship. If I'm going to come to worship, uh, then I must be genuine with God. I must be authentic with Him. There is no hiding. There is no faking it with God. And so one Sunday morning as you get up and you're thinking it's been a really tough week and God, I don't really want to go to worship today. I don't really want to join in my, with my fellowship of believers. I just want to go to bed. So as you drag yourself and you get in your car, what I want to encourage you to do is to worship God in truth. I want you to be genuine with Him. I want you to say, Lord God, this has been a tough week. I don't know that I'm ready to do this. I don't know that I can expect from You this week uh, what I thought I could expect you from You before this week, uh, but I will choose to trust in You. And so you are honest and open with God like David in the Psalms. You say, Lord, my enemies are here and and You're here somehow and I want You to go get them. Can I tell you something that happened this week in my life? In fact, earlier today. You see, today, the day of this recording, 
was my very last day of employment at Nebraska Christian College. I made it through most of the morning without crying, but as I left the parking lot, as I put a few things in the back of my vehicle, I couldn't keep the tears away. And having worked on this sermon, I thought, I just want to be real with you. Some of you are going to have weeks that way where you just can't keep the tears away. And you're going to think, worship and truth? And I just want you to know this truth. It was like God whispered to me some words in His, in his Word. It was like He said, Mike, I've said in my Word that I'm not going to leave you and I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you an orphan. But don't try and fake it. Don't try and just go through the motions. In Isaiah 1, there was a group of people that went through the motions and God, uh, God kind of ripped them for it. He said, look, do I, do I need all this stuff? No, no. You see, worship is about our response to who God is and all that He has done. And before I leave today, I want to give you the bonus. I want you to hear what those who will worship God in spirit and in truth can be encouraged by forever. You see, those who worship God in spirit and in truth, they will find that God chases after them. That God pursues them continually. Listen in verse 23 to what Jesus says to the woman. Says to those who worship in spirit and in truth. Listen to the end of verse 23. He says, a time is coming and now has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Here it is. Here's the bonus. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. When you create a holy habit of worshiping in spirit and in truth, God will chase after you. When you step out on this stepping stone continually and respond to God at the activity, His activity in your life, church, He's going to chase after you. Worship in spirit and in truth. For those who do, will find that God seeks them. Let's pray. God, we love You and we thank You so much for who You are and all that You do. Lord, develop in us a habit of worship in spirit and in truth. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.